0: What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. In this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Ian Greck. Now, Ian and I sat down to discuss his work on 14 Peaks, which is a really interesting documentary on Netflix that you should check out. I don't know how to explain this person, but he's full of energy. And full of determination and decides to set the world record for climbing the highest 14 mountains in the world in under seven months previously it was done in years in the process of doing these climbs they documented it and Ian was brought in to actually cut this and it's a very interesting doc so I highly recommend you check it out go to Netflix check it out and enjoy the film so this is my interview with Ian so let's start with how did you get involved with 14 peaks?
1: So talk will Jones the director and I we've known each other for around 15 years and we've always had a really good working relationship uh, I mean we're, we're, good, we're good friends as well but the working relationship is is really good you know there's a lot of there's a lot of trust in the suite talk is very open to bouncing ideas back and forth. nothing's a bad idea until we try it and then we decide it's a bad idea and um, in 2019 we had just finished a TV documentary. Um, in the UK and he got in touch about this new project so a very typical British way of dealing with everything is obviously you meet up in the pub and uh, have a little uh, have a little uh, chat about it and uh, he was telling me about this guy that he had recently met called uh, Nirmal Perger um, otherwise was known as Nims he told me about Project Possible and this uh, incredible background that this guy had had from the military, uh, from well, from a very poor background. And then to be a Gurkha, which is a really mm-hmm. the kind of feared army. And to then be the first Gurkha to be in a, the UK Special Forces. Uh, to then retire from there, to then decide to climb the 14 tallest mountains in the world in to beat the world record by around seven years, yeah. uh, which is <laughs> insane. Um, you can't really say no to a project like that because he's <laughs> just a fascinating person and and uh, projects that really attract me are just, you can try and find out more about an individual. I've, I've done a lot of uh, kind of sporting documentaries in the past and the sport side of it, I don't I don't know anything about sport. Uh, it's by proxy, I've, I've ended up in it, but mm-hmm. I've always been really fascinated by Almost having, say, having the sport as a wrapper to the deeper story, kind of tra- so we're just trying to transcend a more a more human story as to what makes an individual like that offline ir- around mid twenty twenty.
0: So he had done the fourteen piece. But- yes,
1: sorry, yes. So Nims had more or less completed project possible by the time talk would have met Nims, and uh, so it was essentially the project was in the can essentially so Mm -hmm. so every so all of the mountain climbing that that you see with it only one or two reconstruction sequences that they that that they would shoot but everything that's on a mountain is shot by nims and his team even the drone footage i think something that that cropped up in the in the uk premiere which which flawed a lot of people was the fact that uh nims was operating the drone for 12 out of the 14 mountains so even though they're trying to climb and break a record, <laughs> yeah. he would stop and operate a drone to to get. He, he would partly use it for reconnaissance, but he would also think, "Oh, that's a cool shot. I'll go and film that." Because he was predominantly filming to obviously record what he was doing, but also because of the fundraising of the project, he was he was trying to record. He was trying to make some social media posts and just to kind of drum up fundraising and tr- drum up some kind of attention to to the project. So that was, yeah, it was quite, um, I mean, we had a lot, we had a lot of footage, we had about 100 hours of footage of just Nims' stuff. It was once Talk and Nims had met, uh, Project Possible was basically finished um and and uh, sort of mission complete
0: that was literally one of my questions it was how the heck did they shoot this because at first i was like oh it's probably going to be all gopro
1: (laughs) footage like yeah you're not going to be carrying up a really heavy heavy rig um i mean there it was like 70 pounds bags or something like that i think they were carrying or even more majority of the footage was uh, it was a combination of gopro drones phones there are a couple of other guys that we acquired footage from that, that were also climbing but not with NIMS they'll be just doing their own climb so we managed to acquire some footage from them uh, a couple of interviewees in the film also had footage such as uh, um, Don Bowie who is on the the very first mountain uh, where, where they have a big rescue attempt he, he also shot um, a fair bit but yeah, I mean, the majority, with the exception of a couple of reconstruction sequences where we would be shooting on, say, red or Aries, Yeah, when they're actually climbing, they'll be they'll be on a GoPro, you know, or a phone or something like that. So we had we had quite the quite the uh, compendium of <laughs> footage to, <laughs> to, to be dealing with. Your poor assistant. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, no, Charlotte, our um, um, edit system was great. It just we spoke about six months before i got involved and because we, we edited it in premiere and mm. it's slightly like different to work, working in avid uh and i was just like this needs to all be transcoded into this one one format yeah. you know <laughs> all, all, all that and just like nothing deviates you know yeah. <laughs> I yeah. want, please no deviation from you know if it's if it's an audio file i want it a wav if i if it's a, a vision file it's like a ProRes LT or, or ProRes Proxy and yeah so fortunately she had really lengthy task of uh, transcoding about 100 hours of uh, of GoPro footage.
0: <laughs> it's so interesting because w- one of the things I love talking to documentary editors about is how they whittle down that 100 hours. Yeah. In this case you have that structure of the 14 peaks and the schedule. Yes. But you know when you got the footage how did you first tackle your cut? Like, how? what did you jump into? You know, there's that proverbial white page, white blank page fear.
1: Yeah, we had a preliminary interview with Nims before edit started, which is just to kind of get any sort of nuances about his, his story. And he's got, the, he obviously has this fascinating background anyway, which is something that we were not going to compromise his backstory in any way. Because that made who this man is, and mm-hmm. um, and also it just gives an extra dimension to obviously the projects, because we could have easily have done almost a one hundred and one on mountaineering on climbing fourteen mountains, but we, we we wanted to we wanted to go beyond that and have this more human story. So there was a lot to unpack. You know, we we had a lot to unpack. We had obviously you fourteen mountains, military background, his family side of things, um, his ailing mother. Uh, fundraising as well as getting the recognition for the Nepalese cli- the Nepalese climate community as well so there's a lot to unpack it had already been decided by the production company and through ver- various various research that that we would we would be going down a feature length route um because mm. there's there's every argument to say that we uh, oh yeah we can make a really long series out of these it would just be a very different thing but we had had this decision that we would do a uh, feature length and we would aim for about hundred minutes, you know? So <laughs> how do we whittle that down? First thing we did was I, I had index cards on a wall. So uh, we literally had a white wall covered in index cards, uh, which would be the chapters. And so we've got a whole macro picture of this is what the film could be. And Torkel and I would spend some time just discussing well, we could move this chapter to here, this chapter to here, because obviously, yes, we've got the chronology of the 14 mountains, but where do you then insert certain family aspects or the background of what made him this person and where this part of his backstory would then link to this mountain? So we would then start moving things around, like f- f- physically on the wall before I'd even cut a frame. And we would get we'll get to a certain point where we would swap chapters around and then, and then we'll start, Cu- cu- chopping away at it really, and then as we were getting further and further down the line, and they were starting to go through the feedback process, there were discussions about we need to get more of the ne- of the Nepalese uh, of the, Nep- the Nepali team, you know. And um, okay, so we'll do that, but then obviously we're still aiming to hit 100 minutes. So okay, where do we then pull out elsewhere? It was a really interesting challenge having that kind of boundary that that you ha- we had to stay within. I really enjoyed this kind of game of Jenga that we had (laughs) because there was no way we were going to compromise his backstory as to what makes and the human aspects of it because yeah it was a great it was amazing feat that he accomplished but Mm -hmm. there's so much more of the human aspects of it in terms of what you could take home where can the sort of philosophical kind of underpinning of this film relate to those at home that know nothing about mountaineering you know we started to kind of draw ourselves more towards that side of things that's where we started to make decisions as well something that kind of forced our hand ever so slightly was due to the nature of the guys climbing there was a an almost understandable disparity of the amount of footage that we would have so say annapurna the very first mountain we would have about 10 hours of footage and then Later down the timeline, we would have his team were climbing Everest, Lotse, and Makalu within forty-eight hours. So he's he's, he's summiting the world's tallest mountain, and then two other of the world's tallest mountains (laughs) within two days. So they're not going to hang around, and so they would be filming an incredibly small amount. And there was another mountain where he was actually Nims was pretty unwell while they were climbing. So we literally had about five shots of that one mountain, you know? So we would go from 10 hours to five shots, you know? So that would force our hand and say, okay, we need to approach this so we don't don't have a lot of time on 13 mountains and then just, like, cracking one shot. So we had to abbreviate some of the other mountains. Fortunately, they naturally – the mountains that were kind of shorter and we didn't have to go into much detail about were actually – Coincidentally, like kind of grouped together anyway, um, and so that kind of helped our narrative.
0: I'm glad that you showed how he put his house up on a second mortgage and whatever, because like mm. as the film was going, I was like, "How is he paying for this?"
1: <laughs> in my mind, I was this is like, it. This is it. As uh, as as, as we go, as as we go, and we were doing that in the in the edit suite ourselves. You know, we we would be we'll be going through it and be almost saying, "What is someone going to be asking?" like kind of where where are the where are the kind of holes as to where as your example you know examples like how on earth is this funded because it's like kind of tens of thousands of dollars to do, climb one mountain you know and he's doing 14 my my background was working in a lot of sporting documentaries and i know nothing about sports so i always position myself in the in the shoes of, the, of say the partner of that sports fan that wants to watch it initially because if you do it just for that sports fan, you've lost fifty percent of that audience. You know, you are only only got one person watching it. But if you can get it as and it's it's kind of it's much broader, and you can attract the partner, the family, you know, then it's 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 a it's a, a slightly more wholesome experience. Yeah, we were never going to compromise on the on say the fundraising because that that was that was almost a project possible in itself. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that he just put up his house. In order to um, uh, yeah, remortgage his house in order to to fund this because he believed in it so much. And then again, it's this game of Jenga of of okay, so we've got that. What's his wife going to be feeling about this? So then we've got then we bring Suchi into it more, and, and she's and she's got this amazing trust, amazing belief in him. That there's a lot of people just thinking like he's absolutely mad, kind of. And she's and she's amazing because she say so he puts up with this but it's just like she just has this belief in what he's doing which is amazing you know and then on the flip side you've got his brother who wasn't believing in him and saying like what are you doing because with him leaving the army early he lost his pension yeah he's yeah his pension which is like quite a sizable amount in in, um, in special forces with his pension coming up he was almost for, he was forfeiting it because he just want i, I just want to climb it now you know yeah. and it's like this and so you've got the kind of the two two sides of the coin of his of his wife really really believed in him and Kamal his brother just saying what are you doing so we can't compromise on that's on mm-hmm. that side of the story because there's a there's a drama in itself.
0: What would you say was one of the more challenging scenes for you to cut in the Uh
1: There's one scene I I had a lot of fun cutting it and it's basically on a third mountain Kanchanjunga. Uh, there's a there's an attempted rescue in the in the film there's two rescue attempts on the second one he gives his oxygen to the climber when you when you're in a death zone and you come off oxygen there's a quote in the film saying it's basically it's a roll of the dice you know yeah. because your your body can't acclimatize you're just coming off oxygen you can't breathe basically and he uh, nims starts to get high altitude cerebral edema which is haste and it's basically yeah. a lack of oxygen to the brain and what was really funny was talk came into the came into the suite and he had been sort of mulling over how are we going to approach this and he basically said uh okay we need to make it seem like Nims is losing his mind uh off you go (laughs) (laughs) uh, so I was I was I was was trying to think of like okay right how do how do we make this work because obviously there's there's no footage of of him going crazy because it's in his mind you know and I just started to think let's go let's go Completely left field. You know, let's try and do something where there's almost psychological battle going on, and it's just going all a bit crazy. So, mm-hmm. there, I had a couple of influences. There's um, there's a documentary maker in the UK called Adam Curtis who made this great documentary called Hypernormalization. and he would utilise a lot of old kind of u- news reels, but his use of it was it was really interesting because it it would seem quite surreal at times. So I, I was like, okay, we've got, and we had, we had quite a bit of kind of old news reels of like the the very first mm-hmm. shot Mountaineers. So, and so and we, we had loads of it and it's all really cool looking stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll try and get some of that in. And then um, I started to put some effects on it and then it just started to get pretty weird. Just kind of what talk was after. And, um, uh, and then shortly after that, he sees a Yeti so, uh, and it's just like, how do you cover that? So like, luckily we had to, um, uh, 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 this whole animation sequence for that. But uh, it wasn't necessarily the most difficult scene. It's the most left field scene by far in the dock. And mm. I had a lot of fun cutting it.
0: <laughs> I have one last question. I like to ask everyone I interview. What would you say your favorite guilty pleasure film is to watch? <laughs> uh,
1: I, I knew this one was coming, and I've been th- I've been kind of racking my brain about it, talking to my wife about it, and she <laughs> she shakes she shakes her head every single time I bring it up. So I mean, I mean, obviously you can't go wrong with a good action film and yeah. things like that. But I mean, we're recording this at not far from Christmas time, yeah. so um, my my wife my wife is in. An another room probably shaking her head right now but uh, in terms of guilty pleasures you can't go wrong with a Muppets Christmas Carol <laughs> uh,
0: have you seen the Muppets there was like a television special it's like the Muppets Christmas special I think it's called or something like that oh I have
1: not I have not seen that I think I think my mind is so laser focused on watching a Muppets Christmas Carol at Christmas
0: you should try that one it's completely different it's like no, nothing like it it's just basically the Muppets are trying to get together for Christmas and it's hilarious
1: oh that's brilliant that's brilliant I mean, I mean, I've I've recently become a dad, so I've got I've got a two month old, so I'm looking forward to the time where watching A Muppet's Christmas Carol is not as much of a guilty pleasure, uh, <laughs> but um, but it will secretly be Dad's guilty pleasure. <laughs>
0: okay, well thank you so much for letting me interview. Yeah, no no problem, Gordon. It's been a pleasure. So that was my interview with Ian. I'd like to thank Ian Grech for joining me. I'd also like to thank Netflix for setting up this interview, and of course I'd like to thank Evan Winch for cutting this episode. I am your host, Gordon Burkell.